hear me. Скажи мне, американец, в чем сила? А вы что, собираетесь на ней жениться? Да. Ух, красота-то какая, лепота. Таможня дает добро. И вообще не называй меня, пожалуйста, Вероника. Кто я? От ныне русские земля единый быть. My name's Ali, and this is the Rus Files Unite podcast, where we watch Russian films and films with a Russian connection. As always, I'm joined by a guest, and today my guest is a returning guest. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Ali. For people who haven't caught your previous uh, appearance, where you talked about Soviet New Year classic, um, in inverted commas, the irony of fate, um, could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I am married to Ali, so I'm the guest that he gets on when he can't convince anyone else to do it. Um, we both met while we were working in Moscow, so that is our Russian connection and our personal connection. Yeah. Um, Carrie lived in Russia six years total? Ish, yeah. Yeah, sort of on and off. Yeah, I studied Russian language and literature in university, studied abroad there, and then went back after I graduated. All right. Um, so, thanks again for coming on, even if sort of slightly under duress, I guess. <laughs> um, oh, you're the one who's under duress. <laughs> the look on your face made saying oh, yeah. that totally worth it, which I know is pointless in a podcast, but like the shock and horror. <laughs> Um, so, so anyway, this, the episode today is, is a bit of an impromptu one, um, as I rather surprisingly got tickets to see, uh, the new film Loveless by Andrei uh, Zviagintsev, um, in, uh, in London. So we're off to the, the big smoke. Um. Yeah, we'll be seeing it at the, uh, British Film Institute in at one of their showings. Yeah. So, uh, we're very excited about that. Um, do you know anything about the film? No, I don't. Like, most of the movies that you've had on the podcast I've been aware of, familiar with, the Russian classics. This one, because it's so new, I haven't heard it. Well, I know that it's nominated for an Oscar. Yes. I know that the director is fairly famous, and he's done quite a bit of critically acclaimed work. I can't remember his name, though. Um, uh, yeah, so it's, um, I think we already said it, but Andrei Zvyagintsev. yeah. So, like, he directed Leviathan, yes. Elena, um, and some other really good Russian movies. Yeah. Um, I've I've seen Elena and I've seen Leviathan, and I haven't... I don't think I've seen the, the other things he's done, but they are... They're stuff that's set in contemporary Russia, and they tend to be taken, at least by like, Western critics, as as being, like... You know, this is a window into what Russia is really like. Um, 
in you know now in the post post Soviet era, I guess. They also tend to have the Putin's Russia. Yeah, they tend to have the um thing where. Uh, unlike Hollywood movies where Russians like, oh, they always have happy endings and it's so childish and whatnot. Um, Rush, I think this guy's movies tend to have uh, bitter endings. Yeah, things don't necessarily end well for for all uh, concerned. Um, Which and- says something about the Russian outlook on life, if it must have a, some sort of sad or awful ending in order to be lifelike. Well, yeah, then again, I guess just uh, uh, history and, you know, contemporary reality does shape people's perceptions. And, you know, if you kind of took, like, the average, you know, life experience of an American or a British person in the last 50, just let's say 50 years, mm-hmm. versus the the average Russian one. They've probably had to endure a, a, a bit more hardship. Obviously, that's you know, massive, massive, massive generalizations. But mm, For both sides of for, the story. Oh, sure. Yeah, yes. Because um, depending on what's going on in your life, Britain and America, not necessarily easy places to live either. But... Uh, yeah, I guess there's just been more stability. Yeah, yes. You, you... <laughs> for example, the entire system of government hasn't had to be reconstituted and like three times in the last century. Yeah, in either of those places. So yeah, so that's that's automatic. Twice, I guess, technically. Yeah. Any anyway, it's been more stable. I think mm-hmm. we're we're yes in danger of. We are way off topic. Yeah. Um, so this is not going to be a cheery uh, movie. Um, well, I mean... The... We suspect it will not be a cheery movie. I mean, to be fair, the clue's in the title. It's it's called Loveless, or I think it's Nyelobov in Russian. So um, as it's February, we thought we'd see a nice romantic date movie. <laughs> Our kind of date movie. <laughs> apparently, apparently. Um all right, so I think we should um, we should wrap things up uh, for now. And as we always say at this point in the episode, Payekhali. 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 And we're back. We've just got back from London where we're, we're watching Loveless. Um, now, normally what we do is we do a plot summary at this point, but because it's such a new film, I think it would be better if this time we just sort of set up the the premise of the film. So over to you, Carrie. So the movie starts out with with some people coming by an apartment to see if they want to buy it. And the apartment belongs to a woman in her early 30s, maybe? Yeah, about that. Um, named Zhenya. Her 12-year-old son, Alexei. And her husband, Borya. Um, or Bur- Boris. He's at work, so you don't see him. But anyway, the the couple comes in, go around the apartment, and you find out that the apartment is being sold because Zhenya and Boris are getting a divorce. 
when Boris finally makes an appearance you, and you get to know everyone a bit, you can see that it is a an absolutely terrible relationship between Genya and Boris. Like, they just hate each other, no respect, no nothing. Um, also, neither of them want Alexei uh, to stay with them in the divorce. They're arguing over who gets the kid. <laughs> yes, but not the way that that normally means. Yeah, normally it's like... Who gets custody, as in, I want the kid. No, I want the kid. No, this is like they're arguing because neither of them want their child. And so I think the solution is to send him away to boarding school during the school year and then summer camp, not during the school year. Uh, so Hopefully try and get grandma, maybe, to look after. Yeah, him a little bit. And grandma does not live in the same city as them. Um, so it's just, you know, the, the movie is called Loveless. There is absolutely no love anywhere in that family. Uh, let's say here's this, or Lyosha, as he's also called in the movie, here's this argument between his parents, um, is... Yeah, they assume he's asleep. Yeah. He is assume, not. No, he is not. Uh, they show him in you know, completely heartbroken in tears, understandably. I mean, yeah, that would be an absolute nightmare of an argument to hear your parents have. So then he decides to run away. Uh, run away from home. And then um, it, the parents don't notice for a little while because they both go off on dates with the people that they've been cheating on with their marriage so they have no idea that um alexei's gone for nearly two days nearly two days yeah um so that also tells you that what great parents they are um and then the rest of the movie is uh focuses on the search for alexei how a missing person of a child um, or someone who, a teenager, like what happens a bit in the legal process, a bit in the legal process. It's a lot of how that missing son affects Boris and Genya and what they're doing to find him and all of that. So I don't think I've given away the ending or anything, but yeah, that's kind of the synopsis of the movie. Yeah, um, what did you think as far as, did you enjoy it? I don't know if I enjoyed it or not. Like, it's definitely a good movie. Um, I can see why it was nominated, or why it was Russia's submission for the Oscar. I can see why they would say, yes, this is an excellent, excellent movie. Um, but it's definitely a gut punch yeah, that's that's a good that's a good word for it. I mean, like you said, just describing the plot, it's not a bunch of fun. No, I mean, I normally describe movies that you like as foreign and depressing and have subtitles, but this was even a step beyond it for you <laughs> and your style of movie. Yeah. Um what did you think of the acting? I thought the acting was great. I mean, you're, I don't think you're supposed to like 
or sympathize with either of the parents. They're pretty awful people. Um, and they do a good job of being well-rounded while being awful at the same time. Yeah, they're not like cardboard cutout awful, but did you have one of them that you were more sympathetic with at all, or equally horrible? I don't know, because you don't know... On the one hand, I got the impression that Boris's affair had been going on for a very long time because his girlfriend is like seven, eight months pregnant. Yeah, she's kind of ready to pop. <laughs> yeah. And um, Zhenya is describing her lover but or her new boyfriend, but I got the impression that that was a fairly recent relationship because she's describing him to her co-workers mm, and yeah. it's kind of like she's introducing or she hasn't talked about him very much so you don't know so on the one hand sure maybe boris boris boria whatever we're calling him cheated on Zhenya first but there's clearly like neither partner is or neither person is really sympathetic no not not at all um the only person who's sympathetic is Lyosha because i mean you can't help but feel bad for a kid whose parents are that yeah um i mean i thought i thought the the volunteers who helped with the search i mean not that they're really particularly fleshed out um but and i and i actually thought that the, the cop that they go to whilst not a superb cop at the same time you can kind of understand his point of view in that he's got limited resources and he at least points them in the direction of a solution yeah that's one thing we should mention um they do an interesting job of um kind of showing how slowly the bureaucracy can turn in Russia and with regards to investigations and that the cops don't move quickly. And when you're dealing with a missing person's case, time can often be of the essence. Yeah. So there's this massive, without giving too much away, there's this massive volunteer effort and there's this group of volunteers that um, Boria and Zhenya turn to to try and find their son. Yeah. So sure, the volunteers are sympathetic, but they're not the the parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, you're going to sympathize with people who spend like all of their time helping to find missing children. Sure, sure. But I mean, I thought the the cop. I thought initially it was just going to be like a gruff, unhelpful, unkind cop. And he's, he he is gruff and he's not particularly kind, but he he does like point them in the direction of some people who c who can help. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's not a Jobsworth who's like, right? Well, obviously the parents killed their kid because that's what usually happens in this case. So I'm going to take you both down to the station and spend hours questioning you. Like he doesn't do that. Yeah, or or, or he doesn't just say, get out, come back in, you know, three days if he still hasn't shown up. I mean, he does say that, but he says, in the meantime, this is what you go and do. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, not the ideal response that you'd want from a cop, but at least he does he does something, and you don't feel like he's doing nothing because he's heartless. It's just he's got limited resources he's working with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah. I, I bought that anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I liked the way that it's kind of like it's set in Moscow. Um, is it? I thought so. Okay. I wasn't sure initially. Um, it's kind of hard to tell. They never actually name the place where it I, is. I only guessed that it was Moscow because um, Zhenya's mother is described as living in um, suburbs of Moscow. Suburbs of Moscow, and it takes about three hours to drive there. So I thought. Yeah, this isn't gonna. That's true. This isn't yeah. gonna be St. Petersburg because you could not drive to. Yeah, the that's... outskirts of Moscow in three hours. So that's very how true. I figured that out. Um, although some of the some of the buildings that they that they featured in it looked very similar to a street that I used to live on, but that's that's just you know communist. <laughs> yeah, you know house uh, apartment building. Um, but anyway, my point about about the setting was. It was kind of the non, uh, like, travelogue version of of Moscow and the sort of surrounding areas. You got to see a lot of landscape, but it wasn't the usual. We're we're in a in a capital city, so we'll show you the Kremlin and you know the big monuments. It was more like and here are some birch forests. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like it gave you a lot of different urban environments but also interiors as well and you could definitely see the like the different levels of how people are doing um judging by the inside of their apartment as well yeah like uh Borya and Genya they're not like they're clearly in the suburbs of Moscow she talks about su- getting a metro station soon hmm. um so they're kind of outsideish the city but oh yeah i missed that yeah, yeah, that would have been right at the beginning. Yeah, it was yeah. very much right at the beginning. Um, so their apartment isn't bad, but it's not in a new building. Whereas Zhenya's yeah. boyfriend is clearly doing very well for himself, and Bordia's girlfriend is still living with mom. Yeah, and that's that's more of a sort of like Soviet, a bit more yeah flat. The the furniture's a bit shabbier. Yeah, yeah. Whereas. Genia and, and Boris is, is more like, I don't know, It's it seems like it's nice Ikea stuff. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of it, uh, as opposed to, yeah, the, the boy, yeah, uh, Genia's boyfriend is kind of like really designery mm-hmm. stuff. And then you get to see at um, uh, Genia's mother's house, which is kind of out in the sticks, as we said, which is more like a a dacha mm-hmm. that's really, really run down. Yeah, everything's falling apart. Sort of a nothing is new, except for the fence, but it n- doesn't look like it's built of new materials because it's already rusted. Yeah. Well, she was she was an interesting character because on the, on the question of who did you feel more sorry for, I think initially I felt slightly more, uh, more sympathetic to, uh, to Baris. But I don't know how much of that is just like latent sexism on my part. Um, but 
when I saw when you get to see her mother and what she was like, you kind of go, okay, it should probably cut Genia some slack here because her mother was really nasty. I think Boris calls her Stalin in a skirt. Yes, yeah, one of the few funny lines in this film. Uh, it's... Mean, but... Mm, yeah, Genia you... um, does a lot of yelling at Boris and calling him lots of awful, awful names, lots of swearing, etc. And Boris just kind of takes it a lot of the time. Yeah. But when you see the way Genia's mom talks to Genia, it's like, oh, well, that's clearly where she learned it from. She spent all of her life being treated that way. Yeah, yeah. Like, when uh, they show up at uh, Genia's mother's house as part of the search... She just, there's, like, no sympathy whatsoever. And initially she thinks, like, it's all a plot to kind of... to try and make her feel sorry for them or something like that. Um, And she's, yeah, she's absolutely awful to everyone who turns up. Mm -hmm. Um, um, So, yeah, that was an interesting scene. I thought her performance was really good as well. Mm, She's not in it for very long, but... She's, like, totally believable as a mm-hmm. nasty, nasty old lady. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I thought was really interesting in their relationship is um, Genya and Boris almost never use each other's names towards one another. Hmm. And they almost, I don't know if they call Alexei Alexei or if you learn his name, you know, only through talking to the cops. Like... They just don't call each other by name. They call each other insults, hmm. but not names. You learn, or at least as I was watching the movie, I learned their names through other people calling them by name. Mm, yeah, it took me a while to yeah to find out what yeah what they were called. And that just struck me because, like Boris, you know, in his conversations with his girlfriend, he calls his girlfriend Masha, Masha, Masha all the time. Mm. But Genya, no, he never calls her Genya. Um, Alexei, you know, or Lyosha, the parents never say Lyosha, Lyosha, you know, anything about it. But in th- you know, throughout the movie, the volunteers, as they're searching for him, they'll, every now and then, they'll yell out, Lyosha, like incredibly loudly. And they're the ones who say his name. Yeah, yeah. Not the parents. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. Um, actually, there's one bit with with Genya that was like, again, like gut wrenchingly awful. Um, was when the the sort of head volunteer search person is asking about what um, Alyosha's interests are, which is like. Uh, doesn't have any doesn't have anything that he's interested in uh, and and he's like uh, really it's kind of like wow she took that little interest in her kid well and he has like sports not sports um like robot figurines not transformers but kind of in that style he has superhero posters on the wall like he clearly has interests yeah but she's like nah he has no hobbies it just he has one friend that they know of yeah one friend i mean that you can kind of believe 
maybe, because... I don't know. That's, like, maybe one best friend or one really close friend, but to have never mentioned any other kids ever at school... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is just revealing too much about my experience uh, at, at school at that age. Um, I don't know. But you also had friends from church. That's true, yeah. Like, you still talk to your brothers. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> like, there are other people in your life. Like, that's another thing that struck me about this couple as they're going through this. Mm. They're completely alone. Like, they have no family, which except for Stalin in a skirt yeah, lady, which can happen. Like, it can happen that people don't have parents. They t- specifically mention that Bordy has died, but no friends show up. Like, yeah. as part of the search efforts for Lyosha, they're putting posters up. Like, I-, I would assume if one of our friends had a kid that went missing, we'd be like, hey, we can help ha- hang yeah. up the posters. Yeah, that's a very good point. They are in- incredibly socially isolated. It they, seems they have no friends. Like, they have people at work that they talk to. I mean, actually, that's one of the there's there's one of the few funny scenes early on is um, is uh, Baris talking to one of his work colleagues. Because um, this is a little odd, little sub-detail of the film, but um, it turns out that Baris's boss is is very, very devoutly Orthodox, to the point that nobody gets divorced at the at, at the firm, or at least if they do, they keep it under wraps because that looks bad to the boss. Um, and Russia has, I think, I don't know, I think it's a, even a higher divorce rate than than the UK or the US, which you know don't exactly have low divorce rates. So the fact that nobody at that firm gets divorced or at least admits it is is really kind of hard to believe, you know. But they also all have to be married and have kids. That's So it's not that they're just, you know, not getting divorced because no one's married. Like, they all have to be married and and stable little families. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but that that scene is funny because the colleague uh, tells him about uh, another uh, co-worker who... Who essentially, when he got divorced, he managed somehow, we don't know, to persuade a a woman to show up to the uh, office party to pretend to be his wife and bring a couple of children along. And apparently he got away with it. Yeah. So... It's kind of kind of ludicrous. Actually, in terms of the filmmaking, I did enjoy... You had... Um, a couple of scenes in in the canteen at, at Baris's work, and they just do it when they're getting the food. Just the way they they shoot it makes it look very mechanical and like they're in a factory or that they're kind of like worker drones because of how repetitive the action is. Yeah, yeah. Some of the ways that he shot things was very interesting because you normally say when you have a character walking down the street, it'll in some way focus on the character or the the actor as they're walking. Mm. So maybe you'll have different shots with, like, part of it will be close-up and then a medium shot and a, a long shot so that you can see him walking and the progress that the person makes. But generally, like, the focus is on the person and the fact they're making progress. And, 
Loveless, the way the director shoots it, it's like, say, Liosha was would be walking through the woods, the focus was on the tree. Mm. And Liosha would just happen to walk past the tree, but the camera stays on the tree, even mm. after Liosha has, is off-scene and has been an off-scene. The camera does not follow him. And he does that with a lot of different things. The camera will be on something... And the characters will do something as they move through the shot, but the the shot stays. Yeah, it doesn't follow the main characters. Yeah, generally it was it was quite static, but kind of in an interesting in mm-hmm. an interesting way. I mean, some of just the just the location picks were really good. Like they go mm. through this abandoned. I was trying to work out whether it was a school or kind of some kind of leisure facility. But it's an abandoned building, and that's just—it's just really interesting to look at, just because you have all this sort of debris mm-hmm. around the place, and it's just—I don't know—it just it, considering it's a destroyed building, it just looks very—I don't know—it it captures your attention. There's lots of interesting bits to look at. Yeah, interesting angles, interesting ways of shooting things, playing with light and shadows, um, all kinds of things that you're like, okay, yeah, this is interest- an interesting way of directing it and sh- framing the shots and setting things up. And that's part of why I'm like, okay, this is a good movie and this is a well-made movie, even yeah. if you're not like, oh, I enjoyed watching it, because... Um, yeah, it was a tough movie to watch. Yeah, I mean there was good lands- landscape stuff um, as as well, like mm. just the the kind of icy river and mm-hmm. stuff that they show at the beginning, and all these like interesting tree formations with the snow. I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. you don't it you don't really need that in the movie, but it just it's it's atmospheric and it looks good and mm-hmm. yeah. And they kind of insert a few bits and pieces like that throughout the film, sometimes just to kind of, almost to give you some time to process the previous scene. Mm-hmm. To give you a little bit of break in the intensity. Yeah, yeah. Um, the music was interesting. Because mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like, there's not much of it. And it's a combination of, it's either these very melancholic, sort of swelling strings or there's this kind of like almost like humming kind of buzzing kind of like this one note on the piano yeah like just that yeah yeah um there is a bit of rock music right in the middle (laughs) oh yeah basically boria is playing to annoy genya yeah. Oh, they're really horrible to each other in the in the car and the the journey. Yeah, because uh, she's smoking or wanting to smoke, and that's irritating him. And he's having this like basically emo music. No, I thought it was like really hard rock. Okay, well, I, I, this it singing... doesn't matter either way. Genya hates it. Yeah, and he's just p- playing it way way too loud when you're in the car with somebody who has a headache, and he's kind of a jerk there. Yeah, but then she's a jerk to him. It's just, they are horrible to one another. Yeah. Um, yeah, they completely 
they're just not nice people. No, it's you see enough of kind of stuff that's that's gone on to feel a bit sorry for them. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, the circumstance that the movie is about, you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. But yeah, yeah, not sympathetic, like you say. Yeah. Oh, another thing. Um... It's interesting to mention, we talked about a bit already about how image-obsessed Borea is because of his job, and having to seem like the good family man, religious, orthodox, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's the image that he projects. Mm. But Zhenya also has an image that she's projecting, because she works at a salon, and one of the... At first, I didn't realize that she actually worked there, because one of the things that you see her do is she leaves and she gets her hair cut and she gets waxed and all this stuff and i thought she you know she was just a leisurely lady who lunches sort of a thing while her husband has his big sales job no she works at that salon yeah and so she's just getting beauty treatments instead of working and then most of the rest of the time you see her in the beginning of the film anyway she's on her phone She's on Instagram, and she's on Contactio, which is the Russian version of Facebook. And she's just, like, constantly taking pictures of things, the food she's eating. Like, yeah. it's all about image, image, image. What can people see of my life? What people can people see of me? Yeah, and you can see her her new boyfriend or newish boyfriend getting kind of ticked off that they can't just, you know eat the food, that she's busy taking selfies, and yeah. Um, so they're, they're both image and outer, like, what does the world see? What do I have? Yeah. Obsessed. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, though, that in terms of their, uh, the people that they end up having their affairs with, she ends up going with a guy who's, like, I don't know, nearly 20 years older than her. Whereas Baris is... Um, new girlfriend, um, new partner. She's, I don't know, she's probably, I would say like 20, 21, 22, some, somewhere in there. Like quite a bit younger Early than Early 20s, him. yeah. Yeah. Mid 20s, the latest. Oh, at the latest. Abs- like, yeah, the absolute latest, 25. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of interesting. They kind of go sort of the opposite Mm-hmm. ways where they're they're about the same age you think maybe Baris is slightly slightly older yeah if she's supposed to be say 31 he'd be 34 35 you know but still early to mid 30s for both of them yeah i feel like we've talked about this film about as much as we can do without starting to really divulge spoilers <laughs> Yeah, because I'm trying to think what else can we talk about without giving away the plot. Well, we we essentially have... It's not a very plot-driven movie. No. Like, the the major plot point is, you know, Alexei disappears, and then it's what happens to the characters and how they develop or don't develop Yeah, throughout the rest of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's lacking in plot to the point that I can see somebody like legitimately saying this is kind of a boring movie and I'd probably argue with them but I wouldn't 
argue that strongly, I guess, in the sense that the reason for me that it isn't boring is because the relationships, though massively dysfunctional, are interesting to watch and just the way it's shot is interesting. Mm -hmm. But yes, it isn't like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? It's not like, you know, it's as ter in terms of if you wanted to call it like a crime procedural, it's not like that. There's no kind of like... Plot twist! New suspect! Another plot twist! It's not that. No. No. Um, I guess we could talk about the, the setting, because it's, it's set a very specific time. Um, mm. Because they reference... They reference the uh, U.S. presidential race between Obama and and Romney. It's on the news, so it's just kind of slipped in there. Um, they also mentioned the Mayan end of the world yes, thing, which was that's supposed right. to be in twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah, because that was that confused me initially. Because I was like, "Hang on, another one." Because I just I just went into it assuming that it was like roughly contemporary set, so. That well, it is roughly contemporary. Yes, but it's not like 2016-17. It's yeah. getting on for, well, five plus years ago. Which point. does make it a little bit odd that they're, they're so obsessed with Instagram and selfies. Because it's five, six years ago and Instagram's, what, seven years old? I I I guess maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. And the fact that they had iPhones... Like, yeah. So, I don't know, maybe that slight anachronism compared, you know, 2018 versus 2012 when it's supposed to be set. Yeah, then again, we weren't exactly early adopters when it comes to smartphones. No, we were late, very late smartphone adopters. So, very, that very might be late. skewing our perception a little bit. Yes. Um, yes, it could be. Yeah. Yeah, cause they, and they mentioned, like, Boris Nemtsov, who mm, yes. he was assassinated, what, two years ago? I think so, yeah. Three yeah. years, two? Yeah, something like that. Oh, 2016, I want to say. But, but yes, I thought that was interesting that they would just even have that in there. That kind of almost seems, to me, like the director sort of slightly thumbing his nose at uh, yeah. the authorities. Because you, you could mention any other... Well, the authorities don't come out well because of uh, the way the case goes. Like, you mentioned, we've mentioned the cop a couple times, and we're kind of like, well, he does the best with what he has, but basically, it's the volunteers searching. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the volunteers doing all the work, and the volunteers who really are good, and they have great ideas, and they know what they're doing, and they're constantly tired. Like, I don't know when the volunteers have jobs to, yeah. Like, they are really professional. They are mm. they're impressive. Yeah. And, and sure you're going to get volunteers in a search and rescue case like that, but it sounds like these like volunteering is what they do a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that was yeah. Yeah, and we also get um I guess that'd be a bit of a bloody nose towards Putin in that you can't run your government in such a way that you can search for a missing boy. Yeah, yeah. Volunteers have to do it. Yeah, I know certainly he got, uh, in terms of this director, got some criticism from the Minister of Culture after Levier Fan came out. Um, I think it might... I'm probably butchering the story, but 
just I think the Minister of Culture was really upset that they were showing a, a film that showed Russia in such a negative light. Yeah. And, but I think this this one, that movie, the focus was, um, and the main plot point and what starts all the awful in that movie is the government. Yeah. It's, it's like the a, local government doing something horrible. Yeah. Whereas in this one, the local government or the government being ineffective does not help the situation, but the situation and the problem was not caused by the government. It mm. was caused by this couple being horrible people towards <laughs> their son. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, but yeah. And then towards the end, we do get some stuff about the uh, uh, the war in in Ukraine, just mm-hmm. kind of being covered incidentally on the on the television. It's kind of it's in the background, but it's there. And it's there for quite not ages, but they spend some time on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have uh, I was going to uh, look him up, but there there's this big TV personality who's on like the ra- the main. Russian news channel who I kind of think of being like the Russian Bill O'Reilly or Russian Sean Hannity in in terms of like that's his level of journalistic integrity um so they have him kind of doing one of his little diatribes um so you get to see that so yeah I think we might be talked out I think we might be so happy Valentine's Day everyone <laughs> Yeah, go watch Loveless. It's a romantic date night. <laughs> okay, that's all. Dasvidaniya, folks. Dasvidaniya. So that's it for this episode. But before I go, I'd like to thank Sasha Ilukovich and the highly skilled migrants for the use of their song Cold in our intro. You can find that song and the rest of their back catalogue on Bandcamp and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a rating at Apple Podcasts or at podchaser.com. That second one, Podchaser, even lets you rate individual episodes. So if this episode particularly stood out to you, you can let other listeners know that you enjoyed it. Recommending the show on social media is hugely helpful as well. If you can spare a moment or two to do that, it would really make my day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Speaking of social media... Please find us and say hi on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also drop us a line at roosfilesunite at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, take care of yourselves, and bye for now.